says this, a record of genealogy of, of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. So in the way of introduction, who wrote Matthew? Matthew. There you go. Here he's going to start by basically giving us a, um, a legal document. It's called a genealogy. Uh, it, it basically, the interest of Matthew is to show Christ, Jesus, he is the Messiah. He is the one, the, the, the Jewish son of Abraham, but a son who's deserving of the crown. He's royal. He's the son of David. And so that's the point of this genealogy, is to show his lineage, his, his family. You know, he's a son of Abraham. He's a good Jew boy. But he's also the son of David. He belongs on the throne. And that's the, the point of genealogy. It's a legal document. It, it, it can be boring to go through and read each name. And so because of that, I'm not going to do that. I'll let you guys go home and do that later if you want to. Maybe you could even. But I want, I want to kind of look at some of the key figures and just draw out some of the important names and even some of the significant little details in the genealogy. And then we'll go through in verse 17 and, re, and finish out the chapter 1. Pretty straightforward and simple. So again, Matthew's all about Jesus. We want to know Jesus. Who is Jesus? And his appeal, Matthew, is to reach out to the people who are, you know, fellow sons of Abraham. You know, the Israelites. You know, the, the people, the Jewish people. You know, in Palestine. He wants to reach out to them. That was the intent, we believe, in Matthew. And some of those slides there would, would, would explain that a bit more. How do we reach the people of Israel? Of course, we know that the gospel you know, flooded eventually in due time throughout the Gentile world, which is the non-Jewish people. But, but Matthew, it seems to me, and other Bible commentators, qualified people would say, <laughs> would agree that yes, indeed, Matthew, was, his interest was to reach out to the fellow um, um, Jewish people, the Israelites. They wanted, he wanted to see them know the Messiah. Here's your Messiah, know him. Don't turn your back. Don't be stubborn. Don't be real. Remember, we learned that about the Israelite people. They were notoriously stubborn, stiff-necked, rebellious people. There he is. He walked all over the place. That's where Jesus was. Know the Messiah. Know your Messiah. Know that is Jesus Christ. Christ means Messiah, basically, the anointed one. Know him. He's with you. He's amongst you. He's, he's here. Know him. Don't be, can stop your stubbornness. Stop your rebellion and know him. So we have Abraham in, in, in verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac. It's also the father of Ishmael. But for the Jewish mind, it's important to see Isaac. Because Isaac is a type of Christ. Abraham, the father. The father Abraham, the father. Spiritual father. And in a sense, Abraham can be like a, a type of God himself. And his son is Isaac, whom he went to offer up in the, up, up in the mountain. If you remember that, that, that story where, where Abraham took Isaac in faith. To sacrifice, to offer his son on the cross. Well, not on the cross, but on the altar. But of course, the type of the cross. But then God provided a lamb. And he said, no, slaughter this lamb instead. 
Um, and God said, I will provide myself a sacrifice. And that is what we see with Isaac. You know, that's the, the symbol, the type of Christ who is to come to be the true offer, the sacrifice of God. And then we have Jacob. You know, Jacob is the, is the one who kind of, you know, he's the heel catcher. That's what Jacob means. He was a bit of a, of a sneaky. Uh, Jacob calls, says uh, when you're being naughty or bad, like the bad guy you know, in, a, in a movie or story, he always calls him the tricky one. Oh, he's being tricky. <laughs> yeah, for him, that's, the, I, I, that's his, his mentality of, a, of, of the bad guy. He's the tricky one. Because he tries to trick the good guys, you know, to, you know, to trip them up or to trap them or to take them down. And that's what Jacob was. He was, he was a tricky one. The heel catcher. He grabbed the heels of his brother and, and he tricked you know, Esau out of his birthright. And we know all those things. So, but yet also Jacob was the man who was to be changed. The changed man in Israel. That's his name, Israel. God took away the name Jacob and gave him a new name, Israel. And, and, and Israel means the house of the Lord. And of course with that we could take that and look at what God wants to do with his people. He wants to take away their kind of heel catching tricky kind of nature and give him a new nature. And that's what he did to Jacob. He took away the old nature and gave him a new nature. Israel, which means house of God. And so he's in that genealogy. And these are very important. These are the patriarchs of the religion, the Jewish religion, right? The Hebrew religion, oh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. But you know what's interesting as well? We also have some naughty ones in here as well. And I like about the gospel is there we, God's not interested in hiding, <laughs> in hiding the, the, the facts, hiding the details. Sometimes he, he, he reminds us um, how he uses simple things or even things that have gone wrong, people who have done wrong, and he still uses them. We have a couple prostitutes in this list. We have Tamar in verse 3 and Rahab in verse 5. We've got Ruth also, but she, you know, she was a foreigner, a Moabite. We've and then, of course, the most importantly, which kind of jumped out at me, when verse 6, uh, we've got, um, we see how in verse 6 it says, uh, Jesse, the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon. Now, David's great. We love David. You know, he's, he's the king. He's the one who, 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 who Matthew's using to show Christ's right, you know, through his genealogy, his family tree, to own the, the throne. But yet also he has here... A simple little detail, a little fact here, because he also includes Solomon, who is also in Christ's family tree. But Solomon, the note after Solomon's name is mentioned, David was the father of Solomon, and it says this, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. What a shameful little bit. And think about Jesus. Oh, come on, we got to clean up his family tree <laughs> a little bit. Let's clean up that family tree. You know, we don't want to, you know, put adultery in there and shame in there let's clean it up a little bit <laughs> and we can see the temptation you know uh, but no god's the, he, he sometimes he leaves and here we see this the stain of sin and we know the story of of david and 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 he's of course talking about here um bathsheba bathsheba was the mother of solomon and she had been another man's wife and so we here see this, the stain of sin, of adultery, of faithlessness. And we know, of course, David, not only did he sleep with Bathsheba and made her pregnant, he also killed Uriah. And so Uriah, he's not in the family tree. He's not in the genealogy of Christ. But yet his name appears. 
You know, so it's kind of an interesting thing. But the point is, out of these situations, good things can happen. You know, of course, we know what David, you know, he, he repented. He repented sorely. He, his life changed. He, um, he, he saw the air away. He saw the sinfulness. And he changed. His heart was broken. Um, so he goes from Abraham to King David. And then from King David, he goes to the um, exile in, in Babylon. And I thought that was interesting. Why did he, and that's in verse 11, verse 12, by the way. Verse 11 and in 12, we see the exile in Babylon. And what the exile in Babylon, the significance behind that is basically this. Why was there an exile in Babylon? Because, again, of the disobedience of God's people. They were, again, the golden calf stuff. We talked about that, and we see in the in Judges and all through the Old Testament. I forgot to repeat it, didn't I? Oh, well. If you want to start over again, that'd be great. I just realized I forgot to put repeat on it. But anyways, um, the point of the, of the exile into Babylon was judgment against God's people because of their sin and their wickedness. And isn't that funny, again, that God brings that up? He's like, don't forget, we've got your faithful father Abraham, and we've got King David who kind of messed up, but God's grace was all over that. And he's still going to use it. But yet also we see that Israel fell into Babylon because of their sin and their disobedience and their rebellion. And then the next crucial point, of course, is Christ himself. And so let's go down to verse 16 and read that together. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Now all through this genealogy, the word father, 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 father is used. It's very clear that, 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 that Matthew want, makes it very clear that these are natural fathers who, you know, are responsible for these children that we see throughout. But once we get to verse 16, we see Joseph and the, and the different words is used. He's not responsible, you know, for Jesus in the sense. He's the husband of Mary, though. And Mary is whom Jesus came from. Mary of whom was born Jesus. The language is different. Of whom? In this, right away, we're getting some serious doctrine. Jesus Christ, the virgin birth. Just like with the, the, the Jonah situation, where Jonah was swallowed by that great fish. That's a miracle. If you can't deal with God, who interacts with us and does miracles, then you cannot deal with the Word of God. The Word of God itself is a miracle. It's given by divine inspiration. That's God interacting. It's a miracle. So here we see another miracle. It shouldn't shock us. It shouldn't surprise us. It should give us awe about the living God and the things he does. That just trips up. God breaks his own rules. See, again, I remember years ago when I used to play D&D with my friends, role-playing games with my friends. Uh, I used to love be the, the, we call it a DM. Now they call it a GM. And the reason why I liked it so much is because I would break all the rules. We would use the basic set. And Alan would hate to play my game because I loved, as a DM, to break all the rules. And when players would protest, I'd say, deal with it. I'm the DM. In fact, guess what? You just got a plague. Whatever. You're, you're dead in six rounds. Figure it out. Okay? That's the kind, and I like that because the reality is God can break his own rules. And he does it right here. Guess what? Here's the rules. You want a baby? You got to have sex. That's how it works. But guess what? Right here, that didn't happen. <laughs> That's a miracle. That's God breaking his own rules. Love it. I love God for that. Isn't he amazing? But this is a miracle. This is a sign of who Christ is. Christ is the son of God. 
He is truly and genuinely the Son of God, and it's proved through many miracles, including this one we see subtly mentioned in this genealogy. He was born not of Joseph, but from God and His Holy Spirit. He was born of Mary. And of course, this genealogy, the reason why it goes up to Joseph is because it's a legal document again. And because of the relationship of Joseph and Mary, it comes from the lineage of Joseph, legally, because that's what the Jews were, were interested in, the father it's patriarchal, they're interested in the line of the father. Luke will deal with the mother and her genealogy, which is just as legitimate. So here is your Messiah, the Christ, who's not born a man, but born of God, born of a virgin, just like the, the Bible prophesied. In verse 17, thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. And that's what he does. He, he takes those sections. There wasn't literally 14 generations, but these are 14 generations that he used to kind of draw lines into crucial points. 14 from, of course, Abraham. And if you want to, you can get even earlier. He could have gone all the way to Adam if he wanted to. But he chose key characters because it's important for the mind of the Jewish people as they are investigating Christ for themselves. So, boom, Abraham, very important man the father of the, of, of the Jewish people, the faithful man who left his country, left his homeland, brave and daring, following faithfully after the word of God, saying, go out of this land and go to a new land that I'm going to give you, and I'm going to make you a great nation. There's that man, Abraham, to David, the, the, the King David, the, the man who is, has a heart after the living God. And then, of course, to the exile of Babylon, which is shame. But, but there's also beauty in that as well, because God rescued them from Babylon. They spent a lot of time in the wilderness. They spent a lot of time in Babylon as, again, captive. Remember how they're in Egypt and they're captive? Guess what? They're going to be captive again in Babylon because they returned to Egypt mentally, spiritually, you know, and they fell because of that. But they're rescued. They're delivered. And what is Christ? What's he all about? What's his message? What's his purpose? Rescuing. The word for rescuing, saving, right? Jesus saves. He saves people. He saves his people. He saves Israel. He saves us. He saves the Gentiles. He saves us as a group, as a society, as a community, and as individuals. And that's the beautiful thing about this genealogy. It starts off with a faithful man, gets King David, made some mistakes, but still, man after God's own heart, to the exile. And here's Jesus to rescue, to save. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So she was engaged. She was promised. And as far as the Jewish mind is concerned, she was his. And he was hers. You see what I'm saying? They were pretty much counted as married. It's just a matter of time at this point. So she was pledged. She was a spouse. She was engaged to Joseph. So think about that situation. Think about it in shots. Okay? A young guy and a young girl engaged to each other. But before they came together, of course, this speaks sexually, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So again, remember, imagine we're in shots and we see a young couple and they, they promise that they're, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're not having sex, they're, they're staying, staying chaste, you know, they're staying pure. Next thing you know, she's pregnant. What would you do? Especially if she goes around saying, oh, no, 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 I didn't. I, I'm still a virgin. No, I'm still a virgin. I, yeah, right. On your bike, get out of here. Well, that's pretty much what happened to Mary. Because, again, God makes the rules. 
And God has determined through biology and science and natural laws that in order to have a baby, you've got to have sex. In order to have sex, you've got to lose that virginity. But here she is. I'm a virgin. I've never, never been with a man, ever. But you're pregnant? Nah, you're a liar. You're a lying woman. Marker, brand her with a big red S. She's a, she's a liar. She's evil. And, but the thing is, she's telling the truth. But God, he comes through. But first he's going to test Joseph. And the thing is, I find that this chapter is, is all about Joseph. It's not much about Mary. Luke's a little bit more about Mary. But this is about Joseph and testing his faith. You know, here's the girl who you're promised to. And now she's pregnant. But it's not her fault. God did it. <laughs> Are you going to still love her? Are you going to still take her? Are you going to trust in me as God to, to, to be faithful and to marry this woman? You know, even though science says that pregnancies happen from other ways, are you going to believe that this actually is a miracle from God? So I see Joseph is being tested here. And so verse 19, because Joseph was, uh, was her husband and was a righteous man, he's a good guy. He wanted to do good. He wanted to be loving. He actually loved Mary. He loved her, and he didn't want to shame her. He didn't want to hurt her. He probably was heartbroken because he was looking forward to having this life of love and romance, whatever, children, and normal things, right? Normal things. That's what Joseph wanted. But his heart was broken. But still, he was a good guy. He didn't want to harm her. And because he's a righteous man, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in his mind to divorce her quietly. You know, Mary, my heart's broken. I'm thrashed. I'm bummed out. But you know what? Let's just, let's just, let's just break up and do it quietly. And you go where you want to go and just do what you want to do. But I'm not going to shame you publicly. I'm not going to ask that for vengeance you know, or satisfaction. I love you too much for that. And this is love. And of course, in 1 Corinthians 13, we see that love is, it protects. That's one of the elements of love. And so he wants to protect her because he loved her. And this is, we see jo- Joseph's character. It's tough. It's tough. And he, he wanted to do what was right. And he felt like he was hurt. So he, he, didn't, he, he chose to divorce her. But he wanted to do it quietly. He wanted to protect her. And this is a tough thing for Joseph. But God speaks. Thank God for God. He speaks. And he says in verse 20, After he had considered this, and this, of course, he's considering is what we just read. So we're connecting it, right? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to marry or to take Mary home as your wife because of what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means God saves. Yeshua, the salvation comes from God, because he will save his people from their sin. Sin is rampant. It is 100% disgusting and 100% everywhere. But here's our salvation from Jesus Christ. This first chapter we see already, it's all about Jesus, all about him saving all about his grace. And here it's also a lot about trust and faith. Also, another attribute of love, as we see in 1 Corinthians 13, is love trusts. Okay, it protects, but also trusts. Here's God speaking to, to Joseph through his dream, which again, dreams, can they be trusted? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I, got, if I got a crazy dream, I might wake up and say, that was a crazy dream and just leave it at that. But here, he feels that God's speaking to him. And again, he has to trust that God's speaking to him. And again, love trusts all things. It protects all things, trusts all things. So he goes, you know what? What do I do? 
What if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if this is a big pie-in-my-face joke? <sighs> what do I do? What do I do? Jesus, God saves? Is this true? Messiah from my Mary? I know Mary. <laughs> Could this be possible? But you know what? His faith is being, trust, is being tried here. Sometimes God does test and try our faith, you know? But what's he going to do? Is he going to go through it and divorce her? Or is he going to trust that God's speaking to him? Well, verse 22 says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call his, his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. This is from Isaiah 7.14. Again, Matthew is going to use a lot of scriptures because he's trying to prove to the people of the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, through their scriptures, the Old Testament. This is right. This is what's prophesied. This is of God's will. This is what God made. This is what he's decided. And this is what God is doing. And he's doing it through Jesus Christ. And guess what? He's going to use you. How amazing is that? Sometimes it takes faith. Because the reality is, what if he bailed on Mary? He, he, he would have, and what if he didn't have that faith? God wouldn't have used him to raise the Messiah. He wouldn't have used him to be instrumental to be there for the Messiah in his earlier years. But yet, because he trusted in God, he had faith in God. And of course, here he uses the word of God to inform his decisions. This took place as it was prophesied through the prophets at the virgin. Here you have a virgin. We'll be with a child. Here you have a child. And we'll give birth to a son who will be Emmanuel. God is with us. And isn't that what we want? Even weeks and weeks and weeks that we've been talking about forgiveness and restoration, it's all about having God back with us again. Isn't that what we want? God's people have God with them. If God's not there, then that's not God's people. That's just people. <laughs> but we want to have God with us because we're God's people. That's what we want, isn't it? Well, here it is. This is how it's possible through Jesus Christ. He's Emmanuel. God's with us. So when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Okay, so I'm going to marry you. I'm going to stick. I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick to your side. I love you. And I'm going to trust that this is right and this is from God. And he did what he was commanded. He also obeyed God. You know what, God? I don't like this. Don't know if I, <laughs> it seems weird to me, but you're telling me to do this. I'm going to do it. Aren't you kind of glad he did? I think he's glad he did in the long run. So he took Mary home to be his wife. But, important verse, verse 25, but he had no relationships sexually with her, no union, until he gave birth to a son. So she remained a virgin until she gave birth to Jesus. And he gave him the name Jesus, God, Yeshua. God saves, he rescues, he heals. And also, Emmanuel, he's with us. He saves us, he rescues us, he redeems us, and he's with us. So we already see in Matthew 1, even through these legal documents, how it's all about Jesus, and how beautiful Jesus is, and how beautiful the gospel is. Again, he rescues us, he saves us, he delivers us, he heals us. But it takes faith, and we're going to see that intermingled, I believe. I think we always see that in the Bible. We see God doing something, but he also sees people. We're also going to see people like Joseph and Mary. Here specifically Joseph. Are you going to trust me? 
Are you going to believe in me? You know, it's just, what are you, you going to do about this? <laughs> you know? So we're going to be challenged, I think, continuously as we read God's word. We're going to hear from God what he's doing, what he's planning on doing, and how amazing he is. But we're also going to be called upon to have faith and to respond. Like Joseph here, 